This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Welcome back to Talkville, folks. The only, well, not the only, but the only rewatch podcast with Tom Welling, Michael Rosenbaum, and Ryan. Tell you, tell you, Mr. Ryan. Oh, yes. Mr. Mr. Ryan. Mr. Ryan is here. Mr. Welling is here. Uh, You know, Bryce is listening in in case we say anything that he doesn't like. But uh, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening and following us. you know, without you, uh, we wouldn't be here. We do it because we love it. But, um, you know, thank you for being a patron. If you're not a patron, patreon.com slash Talkville. And uh, you, by joining, you help the podcast. You're actually giving to the podcast so we can be sustainable, that we could uh, continue on. And so if you like the podcast, you want to continue, go to patreon.com slash Talkville, become a patron, lots of fun perks. Um Tom are in the cameos. We're doing tons of cons. So look on my Instagram link at the Michael Rosenbaum and go to Linktree and you'll see the where we're making uh whatchamacallit, where we're making uh, appearances. Also, please follow us, Ryan, at Talkville Podcast and all socials, right? That's correct. That's correct. And uh the hotline, again, everything is uh you can go to our handles and check stuff out. YouTube, write a review. It really helps the algorithm and gets us bumped up to top of the heap. Top of the heap? Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. All right, great. Without further ado, let's just burn into it. Let's rub one in. Let's get into it. Season three, episode 16, Crisis. All right. Well, you know, uh, here's the good thing. Uh, not to give too much away, but I thought this was better than the last episode. I agree. And the one after I this agree. I watched, Legacy, is really Oh, forget good. it. Forget about it. Forget one about it. it. It's really good. You wanna, and it, should we just uh, skip this one and go to Legacy? No, because there's a lot of fun stuff in this one, and we got a a, a great. Right. We got a you know we got uh, we got a lot of fun going on here. Well, there's there's some good stuff. Let's get into it. This is this this is I will say this. This is the heyday of the main, and what, what I mean by the main is the Lions made, which Lionel Luther hair on point. <laughs> the <laughs> main. I mean, come on. The main Oh, my attraction. God. It was just locks flowing. Title Crisis aired March 3rd, 2004. Director Kenneth Biller. He was a weird guy. He was he was talented, and I liked him, but he was he was a weird fella. He was, he was Alan an Miles, the, the production loved him. The cast, if, Ken, if you're out there, uh, I'm sure we'd get along. But is I, the, I think is it the kind it was... of thing where there's like a, like a director who appeals more to the actors and a director who appears more to the technical side and this was the technical you're saying yeah. i think ken really appealed to everybody in post yeah everybody in post including cr- the creators and everybody um he and you did a great job I, I liked him i liked working with him but uh, i don't think he was a actor's director necessarily he just kind of was very you know he was he was first a writer but he did a great job he knows he, you know he uh he had a good team around him and he had some great ideas but um as i recall i just remember that he knew what he needed i think he worked close with ken horton who kind of put the show together and he knew how to like he, he ken i think talked to him and said this is what we need 
This is what you got to get. This is what I want. And so a lot of these people, um, I don't want to call them pawns, but like in a, in a TV production, even directors are a lot of times pawns. They, they'd come in and do a job and they can have their own vision, but they can't really veer away into their kind of own well, film, film, film is a director's medium. Television is a producer's medium. It's just, yes. that's the reality. Agreed. Writers, that, Kelly okay. Souter, Brian Peterson, guest star. Look at this. Ian Summerholder, uh, Gary Hudson, Francois Yip. Terry Chin, Camille Mitchell, Aaron Pearl, Johanna, Joanna Newmark, Daryl Hayes, uh, Cedric de Souza as Dr. Bergen. Synopsis is Clark receives a message from the future and must fight against time to prevent Lana from being murdered. Lex, Lex exposes his father's unethical research and gets framed after getting too deep. Um, you know, right away when I saw, oh, this is, you know what this was i was already kind of like oh gosh this episode like this is what this is what we're in for and you know although there were some interesting parts i still was like the concept was just like uh it was just beneath me this is one of those episodes that if you've seen the 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 couple of episodes after it kind of sets other things up but as you're watching it you don't know that true so you're like huh ryan you said what oh was this another one of those because a lot of them this season have been based off of like because we saw movies we at saw the time. Like John Q. We saw some other stuff like yeah. I hated is- all those movies, so I have no idea. Don't ask me that. Like you saw them. I never watched any of those. movies. I don't like action like that kind of stuff. I like action. But I like, do. Not like John Wick kind of stuff. No. Stuff. Awesome. I know. I you love do. that You're stuff, dude. I'd rather uh, watch a documentary on aliens. Okay, the episode opens with Clark and Pete saying the name on the episode of the episode within 10 seconds as they talk about how Lana is bailing on her shift at the teen crisis hotline. As we learn the real reason why Pete volunteers his time there, Clark gets a phone call from none other than Lana. She's frantic, running away from a guy with a gun. She makes it outside, but is gunned down when the man puts a bullet in the back of her, in her back. The second Lana shooting this season, also in Relic, if you recall. Clark's panicked. He tells Pete to call the cops. Supersedes to the town. Surprisingly, though, he finds Lana and Chloe well, just studying. You know, the next day, Clark, Pete, Lana, and the sheriff head back to the youth center to listen back to the recording of Lana's call. The sheriff pokes at Lana for possibly pulling some kind of prank, and Clark tries to defend her, but the sheriff shuts him down. Clark, what kind of crap is this? Why am I hanging out with high school students listening to this thing? This is a bunch of crap. I mean, she oh, just I, really I, goes for it. It's only because it's it's a. Uh, it's only because it's a TV show that people really care. But Lana gets really upset that someone had the audacity to do something, to pull a prank like this. Yeah. When, like, let's find out if it's really anything. I don't know. Yep. Clark and Lana take the recording to a local audio forensics expert, Chloe Sullivan. <laughs> they hear rain in the cell, in the call, but are confused because there hasn't been storms in months. Also, in the isolated audio, Clark is able to use super hearing to hear Adam yell, You lied to me! They put the pieces together that the recording came from the future. Yeah. The future. Yeah. Clark explains, explains away his hearing abilities and attributes them to too many uh, Lincoln Park albums. That was from Bryce. Oh, Lincoln Park at there, this point. D- hey, Mr. Ryan, there's your, uh, there's your, there's your shout out there from like. I could name one Lincoln Park song, yes, or one could. good Charlotte song, or you one is not the same. Three a.m. or three a.m. I don't know. Uh, down, down, down. In the end, What's it? is it three a.m. Crawling. How's in the end go? 
I've gone so far, not so far away. But in the end, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't doesn't really matter. That's right. Oh, my God. You think that's good music? Yes. Oh, that's right. I think it's garbage. It's it's better than The Imitators. There's a lot of things that tried to imitate that, but I think they rose above. Can I just say, as an audio audio engineer, this scene bothered me. What was happening? Because they were way too good at it, like way too quickly. They were just like snipping things and like changing EQ. I was like, this is some professional shit. Yeah. And I, I noticed that, that like Clark is like scoot over. <laughs> like, yeah. What? 75 words a minute. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, if anything, Clark Kent was from the future. <clears throat> he was already a reporter at the, in Metropolis at the Daily Planet. Side note, you would think if this was how Lana dies, then the kid from hereafter would have premonitions of it happening. No. Remember the episode oh, where he has these premonitions? That's deep. Mm. Or maybe so right off the so right off the bat, you're like, this can't be true. Yeah. Perhaps. I don't know. Back in Metropolis, Lex confronts his father about the vial, the secret lab, and his unethical use of human test subjects. Lionel tries playing dumb, but Lex pulls paperwork of how Lionel's serum is keeping patients alive while their bodies deteriorate. Lionel asks if he wants the project shut down, but Lex says he wants to be put in charge of it. I thought that was cool. I didn't see that coming. Yeah. But I think Lionel's kind of he's always toying with Lex and it's like, what do you believe? Is he being nice to Lex? I mean, I, you know, I, some of these episodes I watched, I was like, Oh my God, Lionel is a bastard. Like he's well, a, he's real a little, bastard. he's a little different now because spoiler alert, he knows he's dying. Well, while so he's changing doing, up his game a little bit. I didn't even realize he was dying till the last episode. When did he realize that? Well, in crisis in this episode, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, he, he realizes that at, they show you at the end of the episode that having watched the episode and now we're rewatching. Right, because he puts a gun. This to scene head. has a different tone. And John plays it beautifully, but Lex doesn't know. True, true. Lionel leaves, pays a visit to Dr. Tang. He's upset that Lex was easily able to find the lab and the testing be done. He's shutting it down and threatens deportation. Dr. Tang goes to administer another shot to Adam Knight, who blows up after finding out that he's been uh, being left in the dust as the lab is getting shut down and the medicine keeps uh, keeping him alive is getting cut off. He only has 12 hours to live. So Clark goes to Luther Mansion to talk about the future warning call. And Lex explains that he's not an expert on wormholes. Clark then exposes that he knows Lex has been communicating with Dr. Tang. Clark pushes him for Adam's location, but Lex explains that the lab is secured and he has no way of getting out. Immediately after they visit and see Adam has gotten out, leaving a trail of dead bodies in his wake, including Dr. Tang. Lex is very observant in this scene, by the way. After seeing eight dead bodies in the lab ransacked, he says, Adam's gone. Adam's gone. Damn. Damn. Who's that? And who's that? Damn, who's that? Damn, who's that? He can just walk through the dead bodies. Who's Who's that? And who's that? Damn, who's that? Who are they? Damn, who are they? Well, you know, sometimes you just got to get, let believability kind of just push it aside. Got to push it aside and just go with the flow, I guess, sometimes, don't you? Keep it moving. After this, Lex visits his father, pissed off that Lionel's decision to close the lab has led to senseless deaths. Before he storms out, Lionel tells his son that he is now in charge of the project. Lex understands what his father is doing and tells him, clean up your own mess, Dad. Over at the Talon, Clark catches up with Lana and everything on everything he's discovered in the last half of the day. Chloe interrupts them to share that her guy at the phone company tracked down the number who placed the call to the hotline to Gwen Burton. 
Clark suggests Lana hide out on the farm, but she is fearful and unsure they can prevent the inevitable. And by the way, last time she hung out on the farm and was there for safety, didn't Lex get her kicked by a horse? <laughs> well, Lex, you want to hang out at the farm? No, Lex thanks, did. Clark. Last time, I, my leg looked like a shoehorn. <laughs> Clark goes to question Miss Burton at the hospital and warn her that her phone is going to be involved in a murder. She tells him that she left her phone with her husband. Clark then requested she call him to make sure everything's okay. Just real quick. Yeah. Leaving your phone with your husband is such a thing of that era. Yeah. Like, I gave my husband my phone. No one in the right mind would do that right now. Yeah, my my husband has my phone. But now well, yeah, you're right. Had... Now it'd be like, where's my phone? Yep. Why <laughs> well, do you have it? They had a one one cellular phone as a family, and today was the day that he took it. Yeah. I mean, you know. As she calls, we, we see Adam, whose body is yellow and deteriorating, knocking him out and stealing his ride and phone. Clark speeds to the scene and learns that Adam has gotten away with the phone. He is unable to pursue Adam, not knowing which way he went. And instead, he stands in the middle of a fork in the road. So that so that scene was funny to me because Ken Horton had this thing where in, in an editor's medium, action going away from the camera is never interesting, but coming at the camera is interesting. And I... I slightly recall this moment where they were asking me to walk with my back to camera into this fork, this not fork in the road, I guess it's a cross. And I remember being like, Ken said, you don't want to look at people's backs. And as you watch it, I walk in and then I do like a back to the future sort of like look around moment where I make sure I turn back the camera. And it was like a combination of Ken Horton and back to the future where like I played that moment. And for some reason, I remember that. Wow, I, know. That's really I can't cool. believe you remember that. That's cool. I know. I Back remember the, the weirdest cans, things. Lana's realizing that everything is starting to come true as key points in the story are lining up, like her sweater, the storm. Why didn't oh, she well, just change her sweater? Sorry. Also, also going back real quick, when when he takes off in the Astro minivan, that's about as boring as when Clark gets on his motorcycle and goes to Metropolis. <laughs> like, it's like so. It's like one tire actually gets some dirt. And the, yeah. and the Astro van just like takes off. It should have been like, you know, it yeah, been, like, it was kind of dull. Ray me, fa, so, la, ti, dull. Yeah. Wasn't it? Mm -hmm. This episode is sponsored by better help. You know, a lot of us wish we had more time, but time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you could do more of it. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself, and it isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. Therapy can help everyone be the best they can be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Listen, learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash TalkVille today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash TalkVille. What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers. 
offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. So yeah, things are starting to come true, like her sweater, the storm, even the rifle used to shoot her. Clark goes to Luther Mansion to ask Lex where Adam may be headed uh, to next, knowing he needs to seek out more serum. They get interrupted by two investigators from Metropolis who serve Lex a warrant connected to the eight homicides inside the lab. Chloe, I, I like how... The, the lab that no one can find, including Lionel. Yeah, and Lex is so nonchalant about it. It's like, what do you have? Well, I'm being framed. He he's not going to get too crazy about this. He's just very relaxed, which I like. He goes, you're framing me. I, I, I like that he was calm. He was Lex Luthor. Uh, Chloe heads to the torch and while inside gets attacked by Adam. After seeing that she drove up in Clark's truck, he puts the pieces together and decides to head to the Kent farm to retrieve Lana. Adam drives the truck back with Chloe. They arrive to the farm and honk to get Jonathan's attention. He finds it strange that Chloe is just sitting motionless in the truck and not coming inside, but not weird enough to not go out there to help her. Jonathan goes outside and gets knocked out cold along with Chloe to prevent any more damage. Lana agrees to go with Adam. Did anyone else uh, notice that as busted up and as crazy as Adam is, the whites of his eyes are beautifully pure? Beautifully pure. That should be a... Beautifully. That should be like he, they a, should have His eyes should have been like zombie red. That's the no. name of a health education porn, like a very nice... Sex creepy. education video, beautifully. I get creepy, like Aryan vibes from that. Jeez, that's not what I wanted. <laughs> Back at Luther Mansion, Lex is learning that his father is leaving him to hold the bag with relation to the lab and the crimes within. Clark pulls the "I'm a minor" card to get out of there and return to Lana before it's too late. Adam takes the kidnapped Lana to a storage unit where she is. She placed all his belongings that were in the loft the Talon loft. He holds her at gunpoint, asks her to find his books. He opens one that is hollowed out and empty. Adam begins increasingly more panicked as he discovers that a few vials he was storing away are now missing. And he's convinced that Lana took them and the two begin fighting. She bashes him over the head with some chains and makes a break for it. Second Adam-Lana fight season, fight this season, delete. Remember that in the hallway, mm -hmm. all that. So a lot going on. All these things are happening, coming true, and I'm sitting there going, oh, gosh. <laughs> Whenever these things start happening and you're like, oh, she's wearing the sweater, she's doing this, it's all kind of, you know, maybe he should have said, listen, you're going to wear this sweater, so don't wear it because I saw it in the vision, and you're going to end up at this uh, warehouse. Well, he wasn't, there when, he wasn't there when Jonathan gave her the sweater from upstairs, which if you notice, Jonathan comes from upstairs and is like, here's your sweater. Where'd the sweater come from? But yeah. she needed it because it's rain tower stuff. You why why keep was the, the sweater there? Martha's closet? Look, just to to piece the puzzle together. <laughs> I bet this was a thrill to write. Like as corny as it came out, I think like to write something like this where there's like pieces coming together at the end, I think that's fun. No, yeah. right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure we'll have to see the discussion online, but I, I, I'm sure people probably enjoyed it. And I mean, it, just, it wasn't, it wasn't the, necessarily the, a freak of the week, right? It was it was different. I don't know. It's some version of the butterfly effect where like if something happened in the future, can you still stop it? And mm -hmm. I don't think I don't know. You obviously can't. Clark it's the did you can't. because who's to say that if you know about it and you're trying to change it, that's what the butterfly that's the actual that's what it's doing. Yeah. I mean, it's, have it's, you it's seen the ending of the new where, based on your your knowledge of it? Mm -hmm. So you can't really have decide. you seen the end 
Have you seen the new Indiana Jones? Yeah, I thought it was lackluster, average. That whole thing with the t- with the thing, it's like doesn't make any sense how the guy got it. Did he have it? How did he get the watch? Yeah. It's just all like, oh, it was a memory. Or it Another was a- movie where I spend two and a half hours and go, yeah. Eh, well, I ate a yeah. shit ton of popcorn and feel like crap. Clark uh, heads home to check check on things and discovers Lana's missing and his friends' family attacked. Uh, he is determined to head back to the crisis hotline to retrieve the call and try to figure out how the future message was re- relayed to try and prevent it from happening. As he picks up Lana's call, we can see the power line outside fall over, send a charge through some nearby kryptonite rocks, and that is what caused a time warp. Clark uh. rushes outside to, li- to uh, the power line so he can find out Lana's location. He then supersedes to the warehouse to deflect a bullet just in time before it hits her. She falls. He zips up her jacket his jacket over the bullet hole and she's none the wiser i thought everyone looked beautiful in the rain and i think the takeaway from this is adam saying to clark he found me how long do you think before he finds you i thought that's the takeaway of the episode is that lionel luther's coming yeah that was cool mm-hmm. yeah wish it was a different story after firing the shot adam <laughs> collapses clark goes to check on him adam tells him he saw clark's powers like tom just said and realizes why lionel sent him to watch clark how does his yellow makeup not get messed up in that rain scene they they put on a it's a it's a sealer so a lot of times when you have makeup on and it rains or anything water you're underwater they'll put on a sealer so it kind of seals the makeup so it doesn't move around and stuff that's they did that on your head all the time mm-hmm. too they did it on yeah. my head especially for rain scenes The next day at Luther Mansion, Lex is being cuffed by Metropolis PD, but before he can be walked out, FBI storms in and tells him that this case has been bumped up to Varsity. Lex talks with FBI agent Loader and says that he wants to make a deal. Drop the charges and he'll help bring down his father. Pretty pretty big event there. Uh I thought it was a good... I I think it was a good back and forth between you guys in that scene. The The guy had his own weight, like... And you both Swagger. found things out about each other in this scene. I thought that scene went really well. Yeah, it's like, you're going down, Lex. We got everything on you. I'll help you bring down my father. Let this go. I'm listening. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. Mm. You know oh. what it is? Sometimes the, not to be um, condescending, but the children of the show, there's, an, there's adult stories and there's children, or there's teenagers, let's call them, adolescents. Varsity JV. Well, when the adults are going through things, they're usually more interesting to, I guess, us. But when, you know, Lana and that whole little kind of group and all this mysterious Hardy Boys meet Scooby-Doo kind of shit go on, I guess it's just for a, a, it's a younger audience that, you know, we're not. It's like, you know, Jar Jar Binks, kids probably loved him, but adults freaking hated him, you know? So maybe, you know, all the stuff we're like, oh, gosh, because we want more adult oriented. We want more uh, character driven. We want, you know, we're like, but uh, I don't know where I'm going. Back in Metropolis, we see Lionel welcoming his new project manager, Dr. Bergen. He stresses the urgency of their research because he has a unique terminal liver disease and it's running out of options. I didn't believe him at that moment. It wasn't until he was going to kill himself that I started to go, oh, man, he's he's. Sir, either that or he's having a bad day. We then see Lana and Clark talking in the Talon. She is researching time travel and questioning how Clark was able to get from the youth center to the warehouse so quickly. We also learn that Lana has more faith in Clark than the local PD. I thought she did a great job. Lana did a great job matching her eyeshadow to her shirt color. I mean, that would be a Natalie thing, but <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. 
The episode ends with Lionel looking at his diagnosis and then staring down the barrel of a gun, which is a Sunspin song. It's my band. Is it based on the? Is it based on the highly successful CW show Smallville? Mm -mm. So WB wasn't cool with Michael waving a gun at his head, but they're totally cool with a character eating a pistol. Hmm. Interesting. (laughs) Good call, Bryce. Makes no sense. But nothing they did made sense. They, unless you're, did to them. unless you have like you're part of a streaming service now, and it's a different world we live in. And Sopranos were the ones that started pushing the envelope, probably. Um, you're not going to get Sopranos. They're going to be formulaic, sort of um, run of the mill, kind of cool to look at sometimes. And but you're not going to be able to push the envelope on a lot of stuff. Yeah, but. Listen, it's it's not up to us as actors. Uh, I learned this lesson very hor- very got slapped in the face. I did this horror movie that was horrible, and it was all based on the fear of God. And it was a remake of a of an earlier John Carpenter movie, and it's called The Fog. If anybody wants to check oh, yeah. it out, please don't. And we're sh- we're like in the middle of shooting this this redo, and they're taking the fear of God out of it. They're taking everything that made the first one scary out of it. And I'm just because. And it was like, because they want to appeal to more of a mass mm-hmm. and it, it didn't work. I'll tell you that because it wasn't scary. Well, that's and because at the end of the day, if a horror movie's not scary, then you're not going to do well. You know, my feeling is a lot of times today that it's not about to creators. Too many people. It's not about creators. It's not as, as much about, um, you know, big ideas or, uh, it's the people who run a lot of these companies are guys that studied marketing yeah. in university. And it's all about no, that's who they numbers. To, yeah. Like now a studio won't make a movie <clears throat> until the marketing department goes through the numbers and says, okay, yeah, this, this will be make money. This will make us money. Yeah. And then if it says yes, then they decide. But it, it's not about, wow, this is a great idea. This is this. This is a good story. This is dark. It's more about what, and I know that a lot of these meetings were like, we need more of Lana and Clark. That's why they make out in Legacy randomly. We need, uh, we need Lex to have a, a, you know, somebody he he's he's making out with. We need, we need, uh, we need all these things. We need like the love triangle. We they think that this is like we need ratings. It's not about real story as much as it is ratings. Well, and your buddy who now runs a studio and I listened to your other podcasts and he so eloquently said about really caring about the story. And I found myself watching the latest incarnation, having to retrain myself as an audience member to not expect just the what I've been seeing for the last 10 years in these big action movies. And they showed us a little something different. And I it was all it wasn't until the movie was over where I really started to appreciate it. Yeah. Because it was different and it was good. And so anyway, it's, you know, he knows what he's doing. Anything else we remember from this episode, Tom? Final Ian Summerholder episode. Uh, I don't really, I don't work with him very much, so I have no idea. Um, well, I, I've said this before. I've known Ian since I was 19. Seen him off and on throughout the years. And uh, I, I thought he did a great job in this role. Yeah. You didn't, you know, you didn't great. want the audience to like him. He was on his own thing. He he imparted this knowledge to Clark, which I think is, like I said, the biggest takeaway of the episode. Um, and it, I, I don't know. the. I just thought when they got into the sci-fi future thing, it was a little off book. But I think it was 
you know, I, I thought it was cool. I think Ryan, I totally agree. From a writer's standpoint, they must have been like, look, it all makes sense at the end. And, you know, I love Kelly and Brian. They're great. That's why they ended up running the show. So, yeah. Yeah, but I think it would have been better if they had. No, never mind. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it could have been. I don't think this episode could have been better. I think it was look, as it's, good as it's, it could it, be. Look, the thing is, you have a thousand or how many is it? Uh, hundreds of episodes in a series, 22, 23 a year. <clears throat> you have to come up with new ideas. This was different. This was not Freak of the Week. They succeeded on a lot of levels. It wasn't a piece of crap. It just wasn't, you know, it's not what I wanted to see. But like, you know, again, I'm not, I wasn't the audience. and But now I am. And I'm telling you what I want. <laughs> now I'm the audience. Um, lots of guest stars in this episode. Uh, it feels like this season has a lot of PSAs to teens, drugs, street racing, psycho girlfriends, and uh, this episode with the teen hotline. Um Interesting things of note. Interesting things of note. Interesting things of note. This episode was aired with a parental discretion advised warning at the beginning. The first episode to do so. For what specific reason? Do we Probably the, is gun it the gun. The f- mouth. Suicide. Well, maybe the whole thing was about don't, suicide. Oh yeah, and suicide. Don't, don't put guns in your mouth and don't shoot people. Pretty don't easy, guys. Yourself. I mean, yeah, that was probably a bit. I mean, that was a big deal. Yeah. Parents were talking about that with And it's important. Those, I, I wish there were more suicide hotlines and more. I just did this thing for November. And uh, it's important. It's important for it's still November. Well, it, well, I, I will say that. Well, it's coming up a, soon. A little bit of takeaway from Pete's correspondence when he answers the phone at the hotline. If you notice what he's saying is he's listening. He's listening. He's asking, what, what have you done? What has the other person done? And then have you talked to them about it? And I think that's a big, very quick, interesting thing. This has happened to you. Have you talked to someone about it? A lot of times the communication itself can be very helpful. I I don't mean to make this a PSA or whatnot, but I I thought it was cool that they included those those lines right at the beginning before we got into like the, hey, Lana, why are you calling me from the future thing? Yeah. The van Adam stole had the license plate DD. 1035, which is the license plate of Principal Kwan's car featured in the episode Crush. Who figured that out? Why would anyone know that? How did you find that, Bryce? This is the second episode to show Clark's ability to literally change destiny, the first being Hereafter. And this is the seventh and last episode to feature Ian Summerholder as Adam Knight. He is tied with Dr. Harden, Grant Gabriel, Gina, Jeff Haig, and Fiora, the clone, as the 10th most frequently seen recurring characters in the si- series. So, you're, wait, so I that's a, tied characters. for 10th? Tied for 10th is something we talk about? Yeah, I guess so. That's what Bryce listed. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. 
If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Without further ado, this is someone Tom and I dearly love, respect, miss, um, an incredible talent, made our days so much brighter and better, and uh, without her, I don't think I would have gotten through the show. And um, I agree. Yeah. Without further ado, again, Natalie Costco. All right, Natalie. Yes. Yeah. We're here. Will you look at us? What are you doing? Typing? You're not even interested. Turn in your volume up. You're just, I can't hear you. Well, for God's sakes, for heck's sakes, they're in Canada. Go for a do rip. You, Natalie, do you ever wake up in the middle of the night with a nightmare hearing Michael's voice from like 20 feet away saying, Natalie? I, for, for a couple of years there, I did. Yep, yep. <laughs> oh, great. Natalie, we just we just got done with the episode crisis and, you know, we were just someone called in about the rain and we were talking about working in the rain. What do you do? I said you had some kind of sealer or something that you put on the makeup so it doesn't, you know, whatever. What do you do? What is your technique for that? Yeah, I mean, there, there are certain makeups in general that are, are designed to, to hold up underwater. So in those, those days, I would switch to those. And um, I mean, it still was a lot of running in a lot of you know touching up between takes and and um as it's mostly you know what the majority of that is is just trying to keep you guys comfortable because it's really unpleasant to be out in that and most of the time it was our coldest nights as you recall (laughs) Mm -hmm. well vancouver would get it it, vancouver gets a wet cold it's one of the only places i've been and i've been a lot of places. I've done a lot of things. Don't get me wrong, but I we would be on set, and the bottom of my feet would be cold. Not my, not even the, not even my toes, but the bottom of my feet. Yeah, and it in. was it was really seeping in from the ground up. And you know, I remember those nights because a lot. The only thing you want to do when we're done shooting is to go home, and you would be like, "You're coming back to the trailer because you can't take that makeup off at home. It's a special thing." And all the actors are like, I just want to leave. And you're like, no, 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 come on. We got to take care of you. Thank you for that. Yeah. Oh, well, you're very welcome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, some of that was selfish because I also wanted to make sure your your skin stayed in good shape so that <laughs> I'm not fight, fighting that. 
<laughs> yep. You know, in in regard to that, you know, you talk about sometimes Tom, you'd have to stay after if it, you know, for the rain scenes for that makeup for her to take it off. But I was with Natalie two hours in the morning <laughs> and a good 30 minutes after of her to take off my makeup, hot towels. And then she had to still clean up and then eventually get to her family. And, you know, a lot of times you think of the actors, you're like, oh, the hours, the hours. But like when you deal with like makeup artists and, you know, got crew, any crew, th- their days start earlier than ours and end later. They're, yeah. they're going to do what on average. Do you remember first what was the longest day you could ever recall on Smallville, and second, um, what were the, what was the average day like? I think the longest day was season one, uh, eighteen hours. Yeah, was that yeah, the one with the machine was... gun where I, I shot the machine gun? That thing. Oh God, I can't remember. I'm not even sure I was awake. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just remembered. Yeah, that was uh, that was killer. And what was the other? What, what was the, the other question? Average, what was the, like the average day oh, on average fourteen, fifteen. Yeah. How did you yeah. maintain like your personal life? Was that all? Was that also a challenge to be at home? Still, have, you know, you have kids. You have the husband, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely, it was a challenge. Um, I mean, Chris, you know, Chris, he was always very supportive of my, of what I do. So, you know, that was awesome. And, you, need, you, you know, there you, were you times when I, I would say to him, okay, I'm, I'm home. I've got this much left in the glass and that's going to go to the kids. Sorry, honey. Yeah. <laughs> yep. None, none left for you. And I'm going to fall into bed. After if that. I know Chris, he was probably like a little hello, hello. Remember that? <laughs> Chris was Tom. Chris was at this party with Natalie, and you know he had been drinking. And some, some I forgot another makeup artist. They were just standing there, and they gave you just hug. He goes, he goes, he's like, "What's that cologne you or perfume you're wearing?" And she <laughs> says, "Oh, it's aloe." And he goes, "Well, aloe, aloe." <laughs> <laughs> and I never forgot it. He was a riot. But um, Natalie. Um, how how hard was it to to juggle all these actors like to you know because i always needed you i always trusted you i wanted you there but you know tom also trusted you so there was this you know this there almost you had to have this map of or this guide to to you know i'll do this well, and i'll do michaels and i'll do this did you, every day you have to I work mean, it out i i want you to answer this natalie but i would say that i think it was the opposite i think natalie was herself i think with all the chaotic randomness that happens to her today she had this sense of herself this calmness that would actually bring us in and you know sometimes you know we've talked about this before but you were asked to do things for makeup and whatnot and you would say no you know you just had a sense of yourself that i think was helped us all as a as a waypoint throughout the day so thank you well thank you yes i mean i i try to be that you know, the industry is crazy and, and you know, our, our days are like, ah, everything's happening at once and crazy. So adding to that by having my energy be like that, that's, that's counterproductive. So when I hire a team member. Do you hear member, that, Michael? I'm- yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> when I hire my team, I also make it very clear and I also pick people that have similar kind of energy. Um, because uh, mm-hmm. I just know that that is the best way to to 
keep things moving forward, you know, and you, you do have to be strong, um, and uh, confident and organized. I mean, team is a huge, huge factor, right? Having team members who, who understand, um, you know, how to follow when, a, what a plan is and how to execute it. And then when they work with me long enough, they know what the plan is before I even have to set the plan out. Yeah. You know, yeah. so have you ever so had to that, fire someone? Have you ever had to fire someone? Yes. Do you tell them? What do you mean? Like, do you, are you the person that could usually like studios will go, Oh, have so-and-so fire them. I don't have the balls. Like, do you fire no. them yourselves yourself? No, I, I told them. Yes. I had to tell them. Have yes. you had anybody who gets, gets really upset? What, why, what, you know, uh, they, they were upset. Um, and, um, they, they weren't uh, visibly angry, but they, they were upset and, um, well, they're losing their job. Yeah. But you know, I, I think eventually I, 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 I kept in touch with that person over the years and I, I feel like she is, uh, now understands where it was, where it came from, you know, but, yeah. um, yeah, I think I, I can only remember, and there may have been more out of my view site. There was only one person and I won't name who they were that was very good at their job, but it just wasn't a personality fit for their position on set. Yep. And I was like, I don't, it wasn't like my call, but when someone asked me like thumbs up or thumbs down, it was the only person I was like, kind of thumbs down. Like, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I never saw them again. And, you know, it's hard because people are losing their jobs and they plan on that stuff. And you got to appreciate that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Sometimes it's not a fit because this train is going, baby. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just a million You're, miles an hour. You know, Natalie's so right. You're both right about this, that. When you're working with people and there's a certain energy that almost fe you feel like, man, this could bring the ship down or this could, you know, this could rub people the wrong way. And, you know, you know, because it was it was a very comfortable set. Everything was just low, as cra crazy and as chaotic as it was. It was a family environment. Everybody knew each other's personalities. Um, and when someone came on set and caused more drama or caused yeah. you know created something that wasn't really there it was like yeah. gotta go when i directed my movie day one i knew that i had to fire the sound guys i i knew it in my gut and it was killing me i had to and my producer says yeah i go they're gonna bring down the shit they were like saying things to women and like just tear and i go they gotta go and she's like well i'll let them go saturday i go saturday that's three more days and she goes <laughs> yeah but we won't have sound anybody replacement, <laughs> won't yeah. Have sound yeah so um natalie uh there's so many questions i want to ask you but like um what is it about like when you're watching shows is it hard for you or because like when we're watching tom and i were watching we could see bad acting we could see like oh gosh are we get do you focus on makeup so much where it's hard for you to sit through any program because you're like oh look at that man they must have used the cream seven four on that on that noggin like what are you thinking uh i mean yeah i definitely uh i definitely zone in on on what makeup looks like on a project but you know if it's done well then I'm able to just let let that go and and just enjoy the 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 film for what it is. Um, if it's not done well, yeah, that's and it, and unfortunately, it doesn't matter how great the film is. All the way through it, I'm going, what in the hell? 
Yeah. What in the hell? Why didn't somebody say something to them? <laughs> well, I, I think this brings up something that, and I feel like Natalie and you, Michael, and you know Ryan, I don't think a lot of people watch things the way we do. I know. I watch other people watch things and they're on their phone and they're walking away. I When I turn on something I want to watch, it's like I'm watching Me it. Too. Like I'm watching it on four different levels. You know what I mean? I'm just like really, really into it. And unless that's the case, I don't bother. And, you know, I most people I know who I watch stuff with, they're not there the whole time. And that's okay. Maybe yeah. that's why, Michael, you and I were talking earlier about the state of cinema and all this other stuff, because people are tuning in and out maybe 10 times a movie. They're not yeah. watching every second. Yeah, yeah. so true. That, that drives me crazy. Uh, you know, I can't have uh, someone like that watching something with me. Because if they're asking me questions or they're like, oh, you know, so what should we do for dinner? Or what? I'd be like, beat no, it. I'm watching this. <laughs> yeah, that's what I always say, Natalie. Put an egg in your shoe and beat it. <laughs> yes, um, you hey, you know, in the episode Resurrection, and you, I know you watch Resurrection and Crisis, but Resurrection, you know, the the uh, the eyes, the blood, like like was that tricky? I remember you telling me something uh, about the eyes and they wanted it to be in the eyeball. Can you talk about that? Yeah, when we had the production meeting for that, um, they they talked about having the eyes bleeding and me putting some kind of blood product in the eye, and then have it trickle out onto to the face. And um, and you know, I, I I informed them right away that that's not a safe. You cannot put um, film blood in the eye. Um, it is one hundred percent unsafe, and I would not recommend it nor will I do it um and then I explained that you know I can put it very close and have it blood running and then you know you guys can augment something in the eye to to um to create that but yeah no it's uh that was a that was a no-go they were a little shocked we were like what there's no product that no blood that's made for the eye no there's no blood product that's made for the eye no but you but but you can jump but you can jump in a in a tank full of water with people with their shoes and clothes and cars and everything else in the pilot, Michael, and you can open your eyes in that. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah, my eyes stung for a so month. So true. I got gonorrhea of the eyes. Gone eye riot. I, mean, I I remember doing an episode, Michael, where we had to do a cut above your head, above your eyebrow, and it had to bleed down. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you remember, but I, I very painstakingly try created a path of blood ever so carefully around your eye so as to not make it look like it was directed to not go in your eye because truthfully speaking if you had a wound and it bled down it'd probably go in your eye but um but yeah there was a lot of time spent making sure that 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 didn't actually run into your eye yeah when you're looking at episodes like crisis when you go back and watch them are you a little embarrassed? Are you actually like, oh, that's really cool? And and uh, I mean, how do you look back on like this show? Because it was really your, it was all our big starts. I mean, this was this show got you where you are now, and they got us where we are now, talking to you on this podcast. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, oh, for sure. I mean, there's there was a, a progression of learning for me as as time went along. I mean, um, when I started Smallville, I had... You always seem like you knew exactly what you're doing. 
It just did. She faked it. It's all an illusion. That's <laughs> all an illusion. Yeah, well, I started with 10 years' experience. So, I mean, I, I, I had a pretty good idea. But, um, yeah, Smallville had uh, such a multitude of options for me to to create different looks. I mean, there was there were always some disease or some illness or there was like uh, major uh, wounds and, um, you know, explosions. And, you know, so um, it really, I was able to stretch and exercise. And yeah, when I look back on it now, I th some of it, I think, oh, I probably should have done that over in this area <laughs> instead of up here. And, you know, you know, and yeah. uh Beeman's uh, zone of beauty was very much uh, yeah. uh, the triangle. Yeah, yeah, was very uh, very prevalent in a lot of those choices. But um, but yeah, I'm I'm my own worst critic. I mean, I get absolutely. I get caught I get caught up watching things now because when I see huge feature films and that zone of beauty is so represented in the makeup, and I'm like, ah, I wish I didn't know about that. Yeah, <laughs> like so. Hey, it's Natalie, true. Natalie, I don't want to keep you, but I want to ask you, I'm always curious about you guys are working nonstop every day. You don't have a day off. It's eight days main unit, sometimes your second unit. You're doing 14, 15 hours a day. You have a family. When do you have time to read the next script and prep for it? And some of these things might and, and, and join in these meetings to uh, see what the hell they're talking about, the tone meetings and all these things. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, it's, uh, you do it all at work while you're there. And, you know, and I have my teen cover set, you know, those times when I had to disappear, that was probably because I was either reading a script and breaking a script down, or I was attending a meeting, you know, a production meeting or a tone meeting and, uh, or a special meeting that was called, you know, for, if it was a particularly big makeup, um, episode, um, it's all, yeah, it's all done there. Did you Thank ever, for technology. did you ever that have helps. a breakdown? Technology does stuff. Do you ever have any breakdowns where you're like, oh my God, I can't do it. I can't catch up. I can't, I don't need a day off. I'm freaking out. I had one breakdown on Smallville and I, actually, Michael, you were witness to it. What? You don't remember it probably. <laughs> I do remember you crying once. I I had a breakdown once uh, because I, it was a particularly difficult day, and I was trying to manage where I needed to be at the at wh where I was most important for me to be. And uh, one of my team members did not inform me that you had arrived, <clears throat> and so I remained on set. On then about forty five minutes after, I realized, wait, Michael's arrived forty five minutes later. And I came back and I was quite angry. Um, that's, yeah, I was just quite angry that they did not tell me that you had arrived. Did you lose your shit? Because I had mapped out what I needed to do with your makeup and I needed to start it. And then I was going to leave you and have someone finish it. But me not being there meant that someone else had started it, so on and so forth. It, it, but it also, it also means, it also means when, when you're walking them in a situation, it's all going to be blamed on you no matter what happened. Mm -hmm. It's all going to come at you, Natalie. You know what I mean? Excellent. Michael's going to be like, where have you been? I've been here for 45 minutes. Yep. You know, yeah. the set is like, why isn't he ready? And it's just yep. like, it all comes just crashing down. Yep. Yeah. Natalie. Because nobody cares. Do me a favor. 
can you reenact what you said to the person or get your anger back so I could remember it? Then I'll, <laughs> did you, did so, you lose your shit though? Were you like, I have to know about, have, where you, did you really raise your voice? I don't remember. I, I, I believe I, I threw some stuff around. Oh yeah. I threw, wow. I took my coat off and I threw it on the ground and I, I was like, I, one thing I asked you to do was tell me when he arrived. They just started your makeup. They just went ahead. So you probably didn't even realize they just went ahead and started. And, um, but you know, it just was a matter of that. And that is literally the only time that I had any complaints with my team and, you know, they were tired they, for whatever reason, they thought, oh, you know, let's not bother Natalie on set. Let's just get started. You I'll know? tell you what, you, you can't, in the, in the few things that I've done <clears throat> in the last few years, you cannot walk in, you cannot sit into a hair or makeup chair without that person going, oh, good to see you. And they have to let someone know. There's like such a thread now. I know. Oh, yeah. Because it's all time stamped. Yep. And they want to make sure like, well, he was five minutes late, so I'm texting you that he's five minutes late. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's Back all Back in my one. day, I had a book. I had a book. And I don't know, you guys probably never noticed, but and each of the, the team members had a book, and they would write down when you guys hit, when your ass hit the chair. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, listen, Natalie, we love you. We've been on longer than we probably should have taken your time, but we want to have you back again when there's some other big episode. We adore the crap out of you. You're one of our favorite oh, yeah. people in the world, and we love you. Oh, love you guys, too. And yes, I would love to come back anytime. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Named one of the best personal finance podcasts, The Stacking Benjamin Show with Joe and his friends makes financial literacy fun. I got an email today from the LenPenzo.com HR department. I find oh. it really interesting. I'm an employee of one at this company, so but somebody from the HR department sent me an email telling me that I had a raise. If I just opened the attachment, I could see how much my raise was. Make sure you click on the links that are in there, too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. They're yeah, safe. I can't wait. This is I'm excited. Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen. How do you not love that woman? I mean, she, I just, yeah. you know, just love her. Well, she's very special. We owe a lot to her. Her her presence and her frequency and vibe on set gave us like a home base all the time. It was very constant and warm. And yeah, we love her. Now it is time for the hotline. Talk. All right. This is it, man. We got a lot of great questions coming up. Uh, the number is 213-JET-CUTE, J-E-T-C-U-T-E, 213-JET-CUTE, I believe. Um, we can find all this information on my link tree at the Michael Rosenbaum and on uh, uh, at uh, Talkville Podcast handles and all that stuff. Uh, any information you need is there. It's right at your fingertips. Um, but we're going to start out with um, patron privilege, patreon.com slash Talkville. If you want to join, there's a lot of privileges and you support the podcast and make it happen. So right now, let's go. This is Jen. Jen, what you got for me? Hey guys, Jen from Seattle here. I noticed that in this episode, there's lots of rain. So what are your thoughts on filming in that kind of torrential downpour? I'm used to it here in Seattle. And also, I just wanted to say the favorite line I had, best line from the sheriff. Unless Ms. Lang has grown several inches and developed an affinity for plaid, 
this would be a good time for you to pipe down. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> I agree, she, Jen. I wrote that down as well. Did you write that I, down? I uh, yeah. Ryan's favorite um, scene. Ryan's favorite scene right there. <laughs> yeah. Filming in the rain is, it's never really fun. It's usually, you know, cold as hell. It's usually at night. It's usually, like it. uh, you know, running around. Um, you know, it's not as glamorous as you might think. It may look cool in the end. I disagree. You like so there's it? Two, I don't know if I like it. It's hard. It, it makes it more difficult, but that extra element makes everything more... It's like why they every funeral we ever have in Smallville, it snows or rains. It's like an extra element that adds emotionality. And, you know, it's hard. You end up wearing like neoprene shorts or doing all these different things to keep yourself warm in the rain. And it's slower and it's more difficult. But I always feel like the scenes have more gravitas as a result. And You're right. it also depends on if they spent the extra $2,000 to warm up the water before they... Because there's... You can get rain towers and you can put water on your that. actors. Yeah. But if you spend $2,000 more, it's warm water. That's helpful. Yeah, that's true. They don't true. always do that. I guess for me being bald, it was like, oh, here goes my makeup. Here goes Emerson. Well, that's completely different. Yeah. And all that shit. So that's what I remember. Hey, it's Thomas the Leaf Blower from Niagara Falls, Canada. I have a question for the season three episode, Crisis. Now we get to see Pete almost do something. He almost picks up the phone, but Clark comes in at the last second, picks it up instead, and it kind of puts a bow on the whole uh what's been going on with pete this season how he's slowly kind of getting edged out do you guys feel the same way yeah he's just not around as much and they're taking more and more away from him or, or not giving him enough and you know it sucks it's it's sad but you know i don't know i think i wasn't aware of it at the time because i didn't have any scenes with pete so I, I with sam so i uh maybe tom can elaborate i just think he he's Unfortunately, he's the sidekick, but he's not part of the love triangle. You know, I I love Sam. I love Pete. I love it when he's in episodes. You've heard this on the podcast before. Um, maybe, but like, if he got an internship at Luther Corp, like, would that have been interesting to watch? Probably not. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know. Yeah. Those, Here's McBurt's. What's that, Ryan? I mean, that was kind of like a, that was like a blatant, like, get out of the way Pete moment. I kind of felt that. Because he's like in the crisis hotline. That's like his place where he helps people. And then mm. suddenly Clark very visibly butts in and is like, nope, I got it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't take it like that. I just uh, I thought of that like, well, Clark's the lead in the series. He's like, he's 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 like it's Clark Kent. He's he's got to do all these things. So that's because maybe he heard something is super hearing. So I didn't really think about it like that. But I understand what you're saying. Maybe just because we know that he's because we know that he's getting it. Yeah, out. I think that's why it was probably more obvious i mean listen as the seasons go on where a a character named cyborg is introduced like what if pete would have become cyborg but that's all easy to look back on and try to make those things i don't know that yeah i don't know that feels like it should have been should have happened yeah that should have happened this question is for the episode crisis this question is for tom or michael it seemed like the storyline was loosely pulled from the movie frequency do you guys like it when episodes pull from movie themes? Thanks. What movie? Yeah, the movie Frequency. That saying. kind of like future kind of thing happening. I uh, didn't see it. Do I like it? I don't know. I just I, I I like things when they work. I like things when I watch them and I don't think, oh, they modeled that after that, or oh, that's that, or I just want to watch something and go, wow, I really bought into that. That's how I look at it. 
Frequency came out in 2000, uh, starring Jim Caviezel and Dennis Quaid. Mm-hmm. And an, yep. ac- an accidental cross-time radio link connects father and son across 30 years. The son tries to save his father's life, but then must fix the consequences. Interesting. Mm. Here's uh, Atrice. I think it's Atrice. Interstellar. Atris? Alice? Hi, this is free from Oakland, California, calling in for crisis. I thought the themes of time and regret were striking. It got me thinking about how references to the real world are used. For example, Clark says he missed too many Linkin Park concerts. This is joking response to how he could hear Adam on the call recording. So I wanted to know, what's your opinion on bringing in real world references to dialogue? Do they stand the test of time? Thanks. It's always tricky I'm not to a bit, do that. I'm not a fan. It does, like, you think at the time, like, no, this is big news. Like, no one's getting And then all of a sudden, five years later, you're like, eh, it was kind of lame. doesn't hold up. So it's better to probably keep that stuff out unless it's such pop culture that it really references, like, the history of sort of, like, media or whatever. You know, like, something that is so in the nomenclature, mm-hmm. I guess. I think it's harder in comedy writing, especially if you watch, like, an old sitcom and they make... Like if you watch it at the time, like oh man, that's a great joke, and then you try to watch it ten years later, and then you watch the same joke, like oh yeah, I remember that, but oh boy, I don't know if that works anymore. Yeah. Um. Here's uh here's John. You mean like references to Lincoln Park? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Michael and Tom, this is John from Yorktown, New York. I'm calling for season three, episode 16, Crisis. My question is for both you guys. I remember watching this episode live when I was 12 years old, and there was a viewer discretion device before the episode started. My question is, do you think this episode was dark enough for that to be warranted? And was there any other episodes throughout the series that you thought maybe should have a viewer discretion device? Thanks, guys. Uh, Maybe the shattered one. Look, I don't know. I think, you know, him putting a gun in his mouth, um, a suicide hotline, sensitive uh, subject matter, Lana getting shot in the back. Uh, you know, I I don't think today that would be like uh nothing happens in this episode. That would be the. I don't know if I would change it or not. Um, I probably wouldn't change it, but I know that I was just at a con, and you and I get this a lot where we meet people who grew up on this show. Now we're watching it with their kids, and they can't wait to show their kids. You know, and and what age you decide to show your kids? It could be five, it could be eight, it could be fifteen, and it could be that when maybe you have a kid who's a little bit younger. This one episode, it goes, hey, parents, just so you know, this one's going to be a little different. Maybe it's helpful. Yeah. Because I've met people who watch it with their five-year-old kids. You know, it's like, so I I think think it's trying to be helpful. It should probably be at the beginning of every episode, to be honest. Yep. Hey, Tom, Michael, this is Sandro calling from Philadelphia. Adam is, you know, dying from the poison or from his, you know, not getting the medicine. And the doctor gives him the medicine, but is ready to kill him right afterwards. And I was curious, like, why would you want to strangle him and not let him die of the medicine in a few hours? Thanks. Love the show, guys. Love you guys. Huh. I don't know. Adam's dying from not getting the medicine, so why would the doctor inject him and then decide to kill him instead of just letting him die by not getting the meds? I, I don't know the answer to that, but I see what he's saying. I, I see what he's saying, but I think she's... The idea of her pocketing the serum and injecting him i think her idea was she was going to help him and then she realizes when he takes it and does it himself that he's not who she wants him to be Uh, and that's why she decides to try to kill him all right i'll buy that that's how i try to make sense of the question yeah there's sandro 
Hey, this is Natalie from Michigan. I want to know what your guys' feelings are on the final reveal at the end of the episode with Lex's dad basically revealing that he is dying. And the entire scene with John Glover and the gun at the end, I thought was done absolutely beautiful. You have a character that's gone from being able to control every aspect of his life to not being able to control his own body. So just wanted to know what you guys thought of that. Um, first of all, I want to say once again, now thinking about it, that Ken Biller did a really good job with this episode. I mean, it was, this is how it was written, and he made it better. I mean, obviously. Um, look, at this point, if I'm a viewer, I'm like, good. I mean, you're a terrible person. You've caused the demise of so many people. I, I don't really have a lot of feelings towards Lionel. I thought it was, uh, it was you know... And also, it was kind of cowardly, maybe. Like, you know, hey, you know, you're just because you have this disease. You're not going to fight it. At least give it a shot. At least, you know, I don't know. It's a sensitive subject. But I, I just feel like, I don't know. I don't know. Tom? Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone, as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening, wherever you listen. I thought it was an interesting and well-written turn of events that this guy goes from ownership, power, and destruction for his own gains to now turning around and seeing what his legacy might be. And what you'll see in the next episodes, you're going to see more of Lionel because now he's more focused on his legacy and you're going to see him in Smallville more often because that's the key. And we'll see that, especially in the next episode. So I thought it was a great turn of events. I mean, what more can you ask for in a character development? Huh? This is uh gene and Ruth and Ruth and Jean. My grandma was Ruth, but my grandpa was not Jean. Hey, this is me and Ruth here in Florida. Why is it that every time somebody's in trouble, they call Clark? Like, nobody ever picks up the phone and calls 911. Everybody just picks up the phone and calls Clark, yet nobody knows how he's always there in the nick of time to save the day. So that, And then after they get saved, and I don't know where she's like, how'd you get all the way from the hotline to here in, like, two seconds? And he's like... Well, it didn't take two seconds. You're right. It took like half a second. So how have they not figured it out yet? I know. It's just stupid. I'd rather them not even ask that question at this point. It's like, <laughs> how did you get there? How did you get it 20 times saving me in the middle of the, How did you know where I was, Clark? How did you get to the Ferris wheel, Clark? How did you know I was here, Clark? How did you know? I mean, stop asking the questions. <laughs> how did you get here? And I still need to keep my distance from you. Well, stop calling me when you're in trouble. Let's start there. <laughs> well, they know Clark is going to take why they call Clark is because they know Clark's going to take it seriously. And Sheriff Snark is just going to make a sassy quip. Where are you? <laughs> yeah, we got better things remember, to do than be over there. Do you guys Wait. remember back in the day of probably when this episode aired, those flip phones? You could you could probably still do this now. But remember, you could assign someone's phone number to like a number. So if you held down number one, it would call that person. Yeah. And there's like a Seinfeld joke out there where like he's not number one in somebody's phone. I don't remember yeah, the joke, yeah. but he figures out he's not number one anyway. But like, I think that's what happens. Somebody falls down, they open their flip phone and they just hit 
one, and it's Clark Kent. I don't know. All right. <laughs> All right. We got to get through a couple of these because we, uh, we're we going to talk to All a, right. a, an awesome person here in a second. So let's get through this. All right. Rapid fire. Hey, guys. Jen T here from Brunswick, Maine. As we see Lex's character progress further on in the series, we start to see many moments where he gets very teary-eyed without shedding a tear. In this case, it was noticeable as Lex is talking to the FBI agent about taking down Lionel. I'm just curious to know, Rosie, if you were aware that you were getting teary-eyed or if that is something that was actually scripted for you to do during these intense scenes. This happens in future episodes as well. And either way, every time I see Lex tear up, it just pulls at my heartstrings. Thanks, guys. Keep Everybody up tries work. to – everybody doesn't want to cry in front of people. Nobody wants to get emotional in front of anybody. They try to keep it in. In fact, when you have to cry in a scene – Humans are mostly, I don't want to cry. How can I stop myself from crying? Especially He's, when it's in the script. But it, it's never been in the script. But what I wanted to do was not just say the lines of like, I'll help you take my father down, but it hurt me to say that. So I wanted you to see that I cared about what I was saying, even though it was such a bad thing to be doing. Um, but, you know, I would tend to do that sometimes. Um because I thought it would add something to, to you know, because Lex is usually strong and stoic. Um, all right, international folks. Rhea, I feel like this episode confirmed that Lana knew for quite some time that Clark had powers, but she just wanted him to tell her. Do you agree? You think she still didn't know? I think she probably knows deep down that there's something going on, and she's smart enough. She has to be smart enough. Um, wow. <clears throat> well. Clark, how did you get here so fast? I think just talked about that fast. I got here fast. I'm not saying she's not. I'm not saying she's not smart. I think she, she doesn't know what it is, but she knows there's something she doesn't know. Yes, Caitlin. I've always loved the bullet scene in the rain, but there's a physics discrepancy that I've always thought about. By the time the sound of the gunshot reached Clark, traveling to the mic on Lana's phone, then coming out through Clark's speakers after a slight delay, and Clark mentally processed the sound and reacted, it would have probably been too late for him to save her. I never thought of about it that long. All right, so Caitlin's I've been in smart. these meetings, the visual I've been in visual effects meetings. You're smart. Right where you now. have two people from the visual effects people and they're saying, "Hey, this is what we want to do with the script. What do you think?" And the person who says what she just said, they go, "Yeah, okay. But how do we do it?" <laughs> like at a certain point, <clears throat> yeah. You know, they're more worried about if the bullet is going to hit the rain. Is the rain falling at the right speed as the bullet's going? Like, <laughs> is the you know, rain falling? On. I mean, we, what are we doing? All right, Rosenbaum rating system. Ryan. Rosenbaum rating. Half. Tom. One. Half. I give it a half, which is pretty good for me. Uh, all right, there you go. Death count. Death and save count. Death and save count. Nine dead. Adam kills eight people in the lab, and then he, uh, himself, he himself dies again. One saved. Clark saves Lana. Through 16 episodes in season three, 27 dead, 25 saved. Series 86 dead, 95 saved. Ryan's favorite scene. He's going to write down three scenes, and we are going to guess which one. Here we go. Uh, scene one, the cold open, where you're like, what the hell is happening? Scene two. Wait, what happens in the cold open? It's like where, where the, the, the thing where <laughs> Clark gets the call and then Lana gets oh, shot. okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah where that, Lana that, gets that, shot. That was the opening, all right. Thank scene you. two, where, where Clark thwarts the, the cold opening. With the bullet in the rain and all that stuff. And scene three, uh, Lionel's final scene of the episode. With the gun. Oh. 
Lionel's we all love a good a Lionel gun. Dog days just begun. What did Lionel do? He probably go, did something whoa. to me and you. <laughs> I'm going to go rain. Bullet in the rain. Ooh, I hear bullets in the rain. You just gave Michael a song idea. Thanks, Tom. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, rain's kind of cool. I got to go with that, too. I went with Lionel. I was going to go Lionel. I died. I was going to go Lionel. Damn it. Bummer. I, yeah, Bummer. I, I, that one put Bummer. me on the edge of my seat. I'm like, oh, my God, we're really doing this? And it just John Glover's You know, great. this is the third time in like 48 hours I didn't follow my gut. <laughs> Damn it. I should have, too. I, I should have. I, I forgot the whole second scene entirely. I just was like, yeah, I'll go with Tom on this one. <laughs> all right that's it for the episode stick around next week as we leave an impact by reviewing season three episode 17 legacy this one's going to be a lot of fun good one we really good like one. this one and a lot to talk about let's get to the discussion let's get let, let's get the discussion online let us know your thoughts on the episode over on our socials at uh, talkville podcast show your support by joining patreon if you really want to support the podcast and keep this going, if you're having fun with this, imagine it's less than a streaming uh, thing. You know, people pay for streamers, you know, uh, whatever. Give back to the show if you want it to continue. Patreon.com slash help. We love you. We, it, it, it helps. It makes it possible. If you want more info like merch from the show or a hotline number, you can find all that in the description and any other information you might like. I saw, I sent you a picture of the woman I saw, I met this weekend at a con who had the first uh, hand blast t-shirt. Are you that ever yes, seen. that's right. I gotta have yeah. a hand blast shirt. Remember, folks, always hold on to Smallville. And we can't forget about our lovable patrons. Without you, we couldn't do this podcast, period. I said it a million times, and I'll say it a million more times. We can't do the podcast without you. Patreon.com slash talkville. Here are the shout-outs. Tom's burping. And uh here we go. Tom, take us off. Yeah, that was my mom's chili. It's amazing. Uh wish you guys could try it. Nikki G, Leanne P, Raj C, Santiago M, Little Lisa, Thomas Elite Blower, thank you for your questions. Uh, Sophie M, Betsy D, uh, Ray H, Karen Apple M, Danielle B, 99 more, Leilani, and Brett G, always hold on to Smallville, SFN G, DJ Kento in the house. Garrett W, Kimberly L, Tom N, Jason W, Osama A, Lana rhymes with banana. W. Yes, I said it like that again. Nancy D, Brian G, Sarah W, Amanda R, Teddy127, Michael P, Theo M, Ryan R, Jordan M, Hillary B, Randy B, Craig G, and Christy R. Karen P, Jorel, Heather and Craig, Nico P, I made Smallville safe butts. Brian H, Eric K, Brantia by AG1. Kristen B, Craig C, Nanine W, Stephanie K, Darth Achilles, Brantia by BetterHelp. Finky, Tamara, H, Stephen F, damn, who's that? Jeanette E, Deadvid, General Zod, Big D, Doug R, Carlos C, Tommy Z, Boston 68, Kendall Limerick's guy, Corey L, Mr. Home Arcade, Amanda K, Jesse C, Claire M, D Brown, Karenera M, Eldon Supremo, Leslie V, McBurts, Ginger Moose, Christopher, Christoph S, Michelle M, Drew, Brittany S, Marisol P, Michael Kane doesn't blank, Sebastian F, Sourpuss Cranky Pants, Matthew and Lincoln B, Carol B. The Coopers, mm, Coopers. always loved meeting you guys. Marion Louise L. C. Glow? Geo. C. Glow. C. Geo. Is it Geo? C. Geo. It looks like an elf. 
It looks like an L from here. You're blind. Cindy C, Nikki L, Bish, Bash, Bosh's Lemon Pledge. Good for you. Shannon, <laughs> Rams with Slow Shannon, M, Brian S, Tina E, Matt R, Anthony R, uh, Gen T. Wait. Gentle. You said Matt R, Anthony R? Matt R, Anthony R, Gen T. Oh. Jess T. Oh. Cassie B. Felicia R, Danny M, DS underscore the underscore RN. I know Michael says it differently. JS, Rachel D, Gingerous Prime, Gingerous Prime, and Nate D. When you're rich, when you're rich, you're not crazy, you're eccentric. Paul W, Jonas One, love the Jonas Brothers. Samantha S, Starkville's House of L Podcast. Okay, guess they have their own podcast. Sage C, Spicy Brown says, Carrie A, The Alexander Castle, Kyle F. We love you. Thank you for the support, and uh, we'll see you next time. 